millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, it is finally here. It's happening.gif. Jake, we had to have you on because Newcastle have officially gotten new ownership. Say goodbye to Mike Ashley as you and so many Newcastle fans wanted to. Say hello to the Saudi private in investment fund i believe hope i didn't mess that up we're all getting very used to the new situation here happened very quickly but jake we'll just start off with your overall takeaways of the fact that on sunday we didn't know this was going to be happening and then within like two days it is yeah it's been a strange sort of like 48 hours um like when when i was on on sunday i don't think we even mentioned a possible takeover it's more doom and gloom about bruce and mike ashley and the, where the where we were headed this season so it has all come around very quick. It's like probably the uh, the quickest takeover, but also the longest takeover that's ever happened because the, the shift has just been <laughs> like it feels like it's been very quick, but we know it's been dragging on for well, Amanda Stavey's been trying to buy the club since like 2017, so it's not been quick, but it feels like it has been purely for like the last 48 hours. But yeah, it, it has been a, a like a whirlwind for for all Newcastle fans. I think <coughs> the main um, the main takeaway has been, or at least for me, I'm mainly celebrating the end of Mike Ashley more than I'm celebrating the the arrival of new owners. Um, and I think the, the majority will feel um, the same way about that. Um, because it, it has just felt, it, you know, it's been 14 years. The longer it's gone on, it's got more and more joyless. Um, it's become harder and harder to support the club. So, I mean, I mean I, we're going to get on to the elephants in the room at some point but it just having new owners that that seem to want to take the club forward and you know everybody has their own thoughts about about that but just being able to support a club that that will want to try to compete in the premier league um even if even if we do, <coughs> it takes us a while to get to the very top uh, and even if we don't ever get to the very top just having uh being able to support a club going in that direction is, is like a huge wind change like Mike Ashley is only club since I was 11 years old, so I've never really known anything different um, when supporting them. So it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be strange. Uh, it's going to take a lot to get used to. Still doesn't really feel real, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we're going to come on to, to the nuts and bolts of the takeover. But like the, the, the main feeling for me today is just happiness. Uh, I don't have to see Sports Direct signs all over the stadium. I don't need to um, hear from Mike Ashley again. I don't need to going through a transfer window, sort of criticising him for not spending money or um, or seeing him use excuses for not spending money, um, seeing us fail to, to get Hamza Chowdhury on loan because we don't have enough money mm. to do it, stuff like that. It's like players have, have gone to, to other clubs lower down the Premier League, clubs that 
I mean, they're Premier League clubs, but historically they're not the size of Newcastle. But we've been struggling to compete. Like they say that we, Mike Ashley's always said we can't compete with the very best, but we haven't even been competing with the likes of Bournemouth or Brentford recently. So yeah, it, it is a huge change. It's going to take a lot of getting used to, and it is going to be slow. Like we're not going to be competing with the top, you know, the top six anytime soon. Um, but just being able to to know that the club are trying to move in the opposite direction. Um, is just really positive and yeah it's gonna it's gonna be exciting to follow the football team again we'll um maybe less less excited to follow the owners but more excited to follow the team and i guess that's that's the whole point of this um you you follow a football team for for the team and what happens on the pitch more than the rest of it even though that does get dragged in sometimes yeah, as you say, there's there's a lot to deal with here, and we'll get to that in a moment. We'll we'll start by eulogizing the Mike Ashley era because there were some good times. That, right before we hit record, I was talking about that um, Dembaba Papi Cisse year where he scored that ridiculous goal against Chelsea, and you were kind of pushing for a top four spot there pretty late into the season. Any other highs or lows that you want to talk about 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 the Mike Ashley reign before we move on into the more exciting stuff? Yeah, um, it, I mean there were highs. It, like it was, Mike Ashley isn't the worst football owner to have ever landed in the game. He's he's definitely up there in terms of highest profile and being bad. But like he, he, he it's been it's been terrible and joyless. But he has managed to keep the club in the Premier League for the majority of his time. There's been two relegations. I'm sure if he had stayed another year, there would have been a third. But um, yeah, there were some good times. The, the, as you said, the, the sort of Papi Cisse, Dembabar, Yoan Kabai, Czech Teote, um, that sort of era um, when we finished fifth in the Premier League um, and then got into the Europa League. I think we got to the quarterfinals under uh, under Alan Pardew, which seems crazy looking back at it. But yeah, that was a, that was a good period. Uh, it was fun to support the team, but that that was the period for Mike Ashley where he could have kicked on and uh, you know sort of really com- cemented ourselves in the top 10 of the Premier League and it just didn't happen. Um, but it it was great at the time, but it's definitely looking back back on now as a missed opportunity. Um, but yeah, if you think when he took over the club, you'd probably say Newcastle were in a, a, a similar position to sort of where Tottenham are now. They're definitely ahead of where um, Manchester City are now. And um, yeah, we've um, we've only gone one way. You see Tottenham now with a huge stadium. They've played in the Champions League final. They've... Um, I think they've won a trophy in that time um, at the very start of it, but they have won a trophy. They've com- competed in the Champions League several times, been in Europe for the majority of those seasons, mm. had players like Harry Kane um, come through the academy and you've got, um, and managed to you know, have some excellent players play there. Whereas um, Newcastle have gone in the other direction completely. And if you look at the commercial revenues of both those teams now, where they were very similar when he took over, they're like in a different world now. So um, can, I think the the word of the the Mike Ashley era has definitely been neglect. I think, and that's especially true of sort of like the last five or six years. The club has definitely been neglected. I think even Steve Bruce said in a recent uh, press conference that his job is to keep the club ticking along. So that that shows you how how sad and how unambitious the club have been. And and to try and support that, like you're always gonna. You, I, I know some fans have walked away, but you're always going to try and sort of see the positives, but it has been harder and harder. Uh, and I'm sure if you'd go back and listen to my appearances on this podcast over the last four or five years, you would have got some some positivity around the time of uh, Rafa Benitez. But I think even during the last sort of year that he was here, I was quite down on where the club was going. 
bit, you know, going from a, a manager like that to Steve Bruce is just sums up Mike Ashley. Uh, and that that's even before we get onto the on, off the pitch stuff, you know, changing the name of the stadium to Sports Direct Arena, covering the stadium in in Sports Direct advertising for free. Um, the mistreatment of, of club legends. Kevin Keegan said he, he doesn't even feel like he can go to the club anymore. The avoid to Alan Shearer is similar. Um, yeah, it's just been a real big disconnect from Newcastle and where it's been in the past, where it is now. Um, and, and and there's even the stuff, that, the way he's treated some of his staff, like Jonas Gutierrez after he came back from testicular cancer. He was he was uh, released very unceremoniously over the phone. Uh, I think they got, I think it was, uh, they got John Carver to do it, um, who was who was a stand-in manager, just got, got phoned him up and said that we're not renewing your contract. It was just, left a bit of taste in the mouth that did as well. So it was, we've not really run ourselves as a Premier League club. I think we've only, I think, I think the club only have four or five permanent full-time members of staff that work each day. It's a skeleton club. It's not a Premier League. It's, it's a Premier League club in name only, really. So this, the new owners have taken on a massive challenge to, to try and get to where it is now, where they want to get it. It's going to be a slow rebuild because the way Ashley's left it, um, the only good thing that I guess is going to come out of Ashley's reign and the way he's left the club is that there's a huge scope to spend uh, FFP-wise just because we've spent barely any money. I think I saw um, Kieran Maguire, who's quite into, who, who tweets a lot about football finances, that Newcastle could spend up to like 180 million or, or thereabouts before FFP would even become an issue. And that's without factoring in any new uh, sponsorships that I'm sure will come in. So, so they... <laughs> They've left it in quite a good way for for big money to come in, even taking FFP into account. So um, I guess that's that's one of the positives for the owners. But yeah, I, today is definitely about celebrating the end of Mike Ashley uh, and, and the 14 years where, apart from one or two good seasons, um, like the promotion seasons were good, but Newcastle should never really be in the championship anyway. So you know they they, they were good. They were good memories from those seasons, but again, we should never have been there. There's only really been one or two good Premier League seasons with him, with him at the helm, so yeah, it, it, it's, I'm not going to be sad to to see him go, and I'm yeah, I'm 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 pleased about that. Before I've started to uh, think about the the future and, and where the club will head now. Yeah, and that seems to be the consensus among Newcastle fans, especially the ones that are having to like withstand barrages about their own personal moral standing <laughs> by being Newcastle fans. It's just like, chill, let's first celebrate the Mike Ashley thing, then we'll dive into the other stuff, which we will do here in a little bit. Uh, but first I want to talk about the timeline, because as we said, on Sunday we had no idea. By Wednesday it was pretty much guaranteed to happen, and by Thursday it had already happened. So I was just curious, uh, your your take on why that transpired so quickly. That The reports have been about the BN piracy issues, and that allegedly... Uh, the investment fund has uh, <laughs> been said to not actually be tied or, or run by the Saudi royal family. Is it just those two things, or do you know of any other things that that made it transpire, like you said, in about forty eight hours? Yeah, I think I think that that people have never stopped working on it behind the scenes. I think there's, I think there was a, a period where there was political pressure applied. I think. They, obviously, Markashi's been in the courts recently um, on two separate cases against the Premier League. Newcastle is continuously, if you look at any recent Premier League vote, uh, it's normally 19 to 1, and Newcastle always the one. So they've definitely been sort of kicking up a fuss. There's been a lot of statements against the Premier League. There's, there seems to be pressure all the time. But the main the main sticking point 
as it has transpired, it was never really about the Saudi royal family having control over Newcastle, despite the the claims that have come up today saying that that now they've they've sought a, they've got assurance that they won't be running it, but it'll be the the public investment fund instead. Um, yeah, it. it I mean, the, the the crown prince of Saudi Arabia is the chair of the public investment fund. Um, so yeah, it's, it, they can say they've had they've had that confirmed, but anybody with a with an ounce of sense knows that the two are, are very closely linked um, and are pretty much the same thing. Uh, the the main thing is definitely the piracy, and uh, we had B in Sports were uh, and the Premier League have tried to sue Saudi Arabia, taking them in uh, court across the world, trying to. Stop the piracy, the BLQ, um, the BLQ uh, pirate, pirate channels that are being broadcast in Saudi Arabia. Um, the being sports weren't being sold at all there; they were completely banned. Um, there was no legal way to watch Premier League football in Saudi Arabia, so the Premier League were never going to sell or agree the sale of one of their clubs to a country where you can't even watch the product. It was never going to happen. So I think they've hidden behind other things. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that the, the the sort of relationship between Qatar and Saudi Arabia has thawed recently. Um, I mean, they're not they're never going to be the biggest allies, but there, there's been some sort of deal arranged. Uh, being sport is going to be shown in Saudi Arabia now. The, the pirate channels have been turned off. I think there's going to be a billion pound settlement. So that's the type of people that are coming into Newcastle. They can sort of give a billion pounds in a settlement and then go and take over a football club as well. Like th- these people have so much money. Um, that that's why a lot of fans are excited, but um, yeah, it's, you know, you you'd like to think that it was held up because of human rights concerns or um, because of the the the, the worries about a, a Saudi Arabia running a Premier League football club, but it's really just been about money the whole time. It's been about their product, and it's been about their broadcast partner and being sports. It's never really been about the issues that that people really object to. Nobody really objects to the piracy apart from the Premier League and and the the Qataris with their being sports channels. There's nobody else. There's, that's not going to be a reason why Tottenham or Manchester United object to it. That might be the reason they've given. I know there's been a lot of pressure put in by the top six clubs. Um, but the reason they're objecting to the move is because they don't want Newcastle United to be challenging in the same area of the Premier League. So yeah, it's been a lot of sort of smoke and mirrors about the reasons why, but I definitely think the piracy was the big issue. Um, and it, it it shouldn't really be a surprise that as soon as the piracy was was sorted out, the deal was done in the next twenty four hours. So yeah, um, it, it's definitely that issue. But um, it you know it's it, speaking as a human being, I I would hope that the Premier League had other concerns. But as it always is with uh, the Premier League, and I guess all major sporting leagues now, and the the direction sports are going in, it's always about the money and uh, their broadcast uh, and their. Uh, revenues it's not about anything else yeah yeah and their broadcast partners or any other <laughs> financial partners yeah it can get a little bit messy there so it sounds like that's the main reason uh we've danced around it a fair bit now but i suppose we, sh- we should just jump into it i'm not expecting you to make like a blanket defense of of a perspective of newcastle fans at large but i was just curious your thoughts on on the kind of moral side of of bringing in you know basically the saudi royal family to take over the club Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, it's, it's it's a difficult one to, to sort of talk about. And I think every fan is going to have to come to their own conclusion on it, really. I think that ideally, would I want my club to be owned by Saudi Arabia? No, I wouldn't. Um, but then I didn't want it to be owned by Mike Ashley either. And, you know, Mike Ashley is, is like Mother Teresa compared to these guys. So, um, like, I'm not making that comparison, but like... Football fans don't have any say in who owns their football club. They don't go out and put a um, put a referendum in, uh, among supporters. They have literally no say. So um, it's difficult to really blame the Newcastle fans. Like, like people people will criticise Newcastle fans for sort of embracing this takeover, um, but they're really the, the real celebrations are about what's ending more than what's beginning. Um, I'm sure some are happy that they're coming in. You know, you see some Newcastle fans that have Saudi Arabia flags and their Twitter handles, which. I would never do, and I, I think that's a little bit too much. Um, I don't want to be sort of. I don't want anything I do to be um, consenting to what they do there. Um, I guess I would separate what happens on the football pitch to to what the owners are doing, but you can't. Some will say you can't do that, uh, and it's difficult. I, 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 I've probably been one of the in the minority of Newcastle fans talking that they don't want this takeover to happen. But now it's happened. I'm I'm not saying I'm embracing of the Saudis and, and what they're doing. Um hopefully, you know, journalists are gonna increase the uh, the scrutiny on what's happening over there and, and, and people will become more informed and hopefully change can happen that way. Um but what's ultimately gonna happen is they're gonna make Newcastle United very good at football and Newcastle fans are going to be happy about that, and that's, I guess, what sports watching is. So, I'm I'm quite a hypocrite. If I, I'm probably going to be a hypocrite. I'd rather they didn't own the football club, but I'd imagine, I don't know, eighty to ninety percent of football fans would probably continue to support their club regardless of what happens with the ownership. So, I think the, there will be some that walk away, but other club, other fans of other clubs that criticise Newcastle fans, they'll probably be, they'd probably do exactly the same thing. So. It, it, it is really difficult. I, it, 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 Newcastle fans shouldn't be the the targets of of people that are you know against the Saudis. I don't think the Newcastle fans should be criticised for celebrating the end of Mike Ashley and the start of a takeover. It's the Premier League and it's the general direction of football that they're the people that need to be criticised for allowing these types of people to own football clubs. Um, but the, the way you know, the way each person follows their football club is such a special relationship. People are so obsessed with their football club there. You know, there's, there's, it's a huge love. You're not going to, people are not just going to walk away because of something that's happening in a world very separate to theirs. Um, and the people that do, I, I completely respect their point of view. And I, I, 
I wish I had that sort of moral stance myself. But I can be, I'm critical of them, but I'm ultimately going to fall exactly where they want me to fall, which which is sad. But football is an escape. And, you know, I'm, I want to watch Newcastle win football matches. I don't want to spend my time talking about human rights issues. That's not really what I want to do. But I completely understand everybody that's criticising. And, and I hope that, you know, journalists continue to write about these things. They, they inform uh, the Premier League watching fan base about what's happening over there because I think that needs to happen um, but yeah my my support of the club is probably going to be a complicit sort of um, you know agreement in what they want me to, to do mm. so that's, it's, it's very difficult and I, I I you know I wish that an ethical billionaire bought Newcastle and turned them into a team challenging for top eight but that's not what happens you can look at all these owners and they're all dodgy in their own ways it's just I think the Newcastle owners are probably worse of them all which is which is sad but the Premier League has let them in so it's not really up to Newcastle fans to to, to make a stance against them sadly they tried to make, tried to make a stance against Mike Ashley for 40 years and it did very little <laughs> so I don't think the appetite is going to be there to, to go, go, go out but I completely understand why people don't want Saudi Arabia to be in football and, and I would agree with that point of view but I also follow, you know, support my football club and whatever happens, you know, I've supported it through Mike Ashley. I'm not going to, you know, I, I think I'm with Newcastle for life, whatever mm. happens. So it's sad. I wish there was more fan input into who owns football clubs and there definitely should be, but there isn't. So it's on the Premier League more than it is on Newcastle fans. Yeah. And, and I think that's a fair point. I think, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I've seen a lot of people like, attacking the Newcastle fans that they know like they had anything to do with this happening and I agree I think fans are just going to be fans of clubs very few fans of clubs even like their ownership I think Tottenham's an excellent example of that uh technically owned by an investment firm ourselves and Enoch technically owned by Joe Lewis who owns that but uh, very little relationship there the one face person that we have in charge of the club is Daniel Levy and we hardly love him so uh, obviously not conflating what Daniel Levy has done with what Saudi Arabia as a nation uh, or the people doing the takeover have done at all. But I don't think that you have to feel responsible for the behaviors of uh, the people above you, at least not you individually, Jake, or any individual Newcastle fan. So I think at large, especially on Twitter, people should just chill out a little bit with the personal attacks on Newcastle fans, at least. But as you say, this journalist should continue to write a lot more about this. And I think the flip side of this coin is Saudi Arabia is now going to be even more in the public eye. So while it's possible this is just going to be sports wash and everybody's immediately going to forget, it's also possible that a lot more stuff is going to be stirred up now that there is kind of a public face to it, even if it is a sporting one. So uh, there's there's a possibility that it could actually lead to some positive change. We just don't know yet. But anyway, yeah, I don't think you need to feel personally responsible for this one. And I don't think you have to feel bad for supporting your club. You also have to consider, you know, Saudi Arabia, a very sexist state at heart. They have employed a, a woman to their Newcastle board straight mm. away who's got a 10% stake in the club. So, you know, there's there's a lot of good things that could happen and, you know, positive change can happen. And would these football journalists and football fans be talking about Saudi Arabia if this didn't happen? No, they wouldn't be. So there's, there's education going on at the same time. So I, I definitely agree with all the bad stuff. And as I said, I wish it wasn't happening. But there will be some good stuff to come out of it as well. Yeah, we'll certainly see where all of that goes. Obviously, this is all announced via 
two public statements, one from uh, the Premier League, one from Newcastle itself. And I was just wondering if going through either of those, uh, there was anything that really stuck out to you from, from those press briefings. Yeah, so there's been a lot, there's been very little to come out, at least at the time of recording. There might be, I'm, I'm sure there'll be a lot more come out overnight and into tomorrow morning. But the, the main things to come out is that um, the governor of the PIF is going to be the non-executive chairman um, of, of the club, Yasser Al-Ramayan, who is uh, referred to as His Excellency. So I'm sure that, that suggests he's got quite a high ranking position within Saudi Arabia which I guess shows that the state are going to be very much involved in the running of the club. You've also got um, Amanda Staveley, who's been the one that's been trying to buy Newcastle for years. She's going to be on the board because she, she's the, the chief executive of the the, the um, PCP Capital Partners who have 10% stake in the club. And Jamie Rubin will also be a director who sort of represents the Rubin brothers. Who, I mean, the Rubin brothers on their own are the second richest family in the UK. So the fact they've got a 10% stake still just adds even more to the wealth. So they're the three sort of key individuals. You've got one person from each of the the three different parties involved. And that's the main thing that's really come out about the future direction of uh, and, and who's going to be calling the shots. But um, I guess they'll have the Amanda Stevie and Jamie Rubin sort of being the face, the faces of it. But I'm sure the Saudi Saudis are going to be making a lot of the decisions. Gotcha. Well, as you say, we're, we're probably going to learn a lot more as we move forward here. But yeah, interesting uh, initial comments there. I, I mentioned also in the statement, it might have been from the Saudi Public Fund itself. Um, but just talking about how they're like long term invested, I think it appeared three times in that. Is that encouraging that, that, that this isn't just supposed to be like a flash in the pan, that this might be, you know, kind of a long term stable growth for the club? Yeah, I think that's that's definitely the the angle there. Their calling so far is, is pointed to. I think that it's going to be very difficult now to to do what Chelsea or Manchester City did at, at the pace they did it. Um, I think the Saudi Arabians are not going to come into football and want to to own a club that finishes eighth in the Premier League. They're going to want to be in the Champions League and competing for for major trophies. Uh, I think that's it. That's an important part of sport. You know, if it is sport to watch, that's an important part of it. You can't. You can't have the desired effect if you're just, you know, if you become Aston Villa in the middle of the Premier League, it's not going to have the desired impact. So it's going to, that's their ultimate aim. I think that in, in an interview to Sky, Amanda Stevens already said that five to 10 years they want to be looking to compete for the Premier League. So, you know, that's very, very lofty ambitions. And, you know, as the, uh, football has progressed and the Premier League has got richer and richer, to, to bridge that gap is going to be very hard. It's, it's going to have to be long term. That's why they, they've, really emphasise that in their statement so far. It, it's not going to be easy. Um, if you look at, you know, where Manchester United are commercially um, and fan base wise to where Newcastle are, it is, it is chalk and cheese. It's going to take a lot to get there. But then you've also got the, we've got the, definitely got the finances to get there. Definitely. Um, the, the, I guess the challenge is going to be getting that finance into the club legally. And within the rules, which is it's is harder than it was for, for City and Chelsea. Newcastle's starting point is very good, but you know to progress, you're gonna have to quickly. Eight hundred eighty million is not gonna get you far, uh, and that is, that includes all spending. So that's gonna include you know wages and everything. So it's not really gonna get you that far. You're gonna have to find ways to bring money into the club commercially. They're gonna have to get the right people making the decisions. I don't know. 
I know Jamie Rubin's been on the board at, at QPR, so I guess he has some knowledge of football and the inner workings, but being uh, on the board at QPR is different to being on the board at a club trying to get to the top of the Premier League. So, yeah, uh, they're going to have to employ the right people. Um, from what I've read today, they want to employ somebody to oversee the academy. They, they're looking at somebody from Manchester City. That already shows you that ambition. Um, they want to get a CEO in the club that knows football. Again, that's a good position. That's what you need to do. Um, they're going to want to replace the manager because, um, you know, we're in October now. The only thing they can do now to improve fortunes on the pitch right now is to change the manager. There's nothing else they can do. Um, they're going to want to do that and they're going to want to, just, you know, improve the playing squad, but they're going to have to do it at a, at a sustainable rate. You know, they might look at, to start with, they might look at players lower down the Premier League that are, uh, that are retainable people like I know James Tarkovsky, Dwight McNeil, Max Aaron's people like that, players that they can easily bring in and players that that have the potential to grow with the club. They might look at that to start with. They might look abroad at markets where clubs are in need of money because of COVID. You know, as much as I've said, it's it's going to be hard to get to the top of the Premier League if you're wavering around tens of millions of pounds at clubs that are desperate for money. You're going to get probably some good players out of it. So <laughs> because of COVID, it's probably a good time to buy a football club and try and grow it at a quicker rate so yeah that's, mm. that's what they're going to have to try and do I think in the when they came close to buying the club previously they wanted to get Rafa Benitez as manager they looked at Pochettino that's the type of people they're looking at they um, players wise I think they wanted to sign Nathan Ake and Ferran Torres before they went to Man City they were two players that, that have definitely been written about in the, uh, in the media as players that this consortium wanted to sign yeah, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Uh, I think that because this has been ongoing, they'll always have been working on on plans, and I'm sure we'll hear more about them. But yeah, it's going to be long term. We're not. It's going to be many. It's going to be many seasons before we we're challenging near the top of the Premier League. If we ever get there, if it isn't a given, despite what some people have, have said, it's not a given we'll ever get there. But if we are to get there, it's going to take a long time. Gotcha. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. I don't think it'll be an overnight thing, but I am curious what, what the short-term and long-term expectations are. Obviously, the, the window isn't open. You can't do the, like, Rubinho signing on the same day that City announced their takeover or anything like that. But but what are we expecting to see both both in the short and the long-term, which I, I suppose you did just address some? I think short-term, we, we'll definitely see some some people come into the club in, in executive roles. Um on the on the recruitment team as CEO, they're definitely looking for one of those. They're going to bring in somebody for the academy. We'll probably see all that. Um, we're probably going to see a managerial change. I'm not sure um, who who that will be. I think today I've read Steven Gerrard is uh, and Antonio Conte are two leading the the bookies odds. Eddie Howe's also been linked, so we'll see where that goes. Um, I I think that they're going to want to get a big big manager in very soon but they might view this season as one to bring in solely to the end of the season that can can make sure we stay in the Premier League because they're not going to want to get relegated because that will extend a lot of timelines so yeah I think that's that's probably what we'll see short term we might see hear about plans to improve the infrastructure the stadium the training ground the academy might hear plans about those but yeah I think in the long term we're definitely going to see improvements across across the board infrastructure wise squad-wise, coaching team-wise, recruitment, academy, um, investment into the city, um, which is another reason why a lot of local Newcastle fans are happy about it, because 
the northeast is famously um, neglected by the government. You know, the, the English government are very south and and southeast driven. They're their main areas, whereas these people, yes, the Saudi Arabians are, are it's a dreadful regime. But if they come and spend tens of millions in Newcastle in the northeast and create hundreds and thousands of jobs, I mean, it's good for the area. Whatever you think um, about them, so. There's going to be a lot of benefits um, on the pitch and off it. Gotcha. And I guess I'll end by kind of returning you to a conversation we had on Sunday where you basically said, if you're stuck with Mike Ashley and if you're stuck with Steve Bruce, you're probably going down this year. Now one of those dominoes is gone. You already referenced that the other one might be falling soon. So is the inverse true? Do you think now that the takeovers happen, now that it's likely you'll get a new manager that you should be safe? I think so. I, I can't see us getting relegated now. Um, I I would be shocked if Steve Bruce is manager against Tottenham next week. Um, I'd be shocked. I don't think that's that quick. Happen. I mean, international break is notoriously a good time to swap. Yeah, I, like I think the, the Newcastle Supporters Trust uh, did a did a survey of Newcastle fans, and I think ninety five percent want him to be sacked within their member base. So, yeah, um, if the if the new owners want to make some quick decisions, that's a very easy win. And and again, it's one that's going to improve fortunes on the pitch. But I think. We're now going to see St James's Park and and the away the away section sold out completely. You're going to see a much better atmosphere. You're going to see the players want to. You know, this is they're currently playing for a team in the lower in the in the lower part of the Premier League. This is their chance to up the scale themselves and play a part in a, a team moving forward. I mean, that's motivation in itself. They've got till January uh, to to make a mark and and prove why they should be part of this. So. I think that we're going to see much better performances for Newcastle. I think it needs to start with the manager changing because I think he's having a negative influence. But regardless of who comes in, I think this playing, I think the squad, I've always said the squad's good enough to stay up in the Premier League, but now they've got extra motivation. They've got something to play for. Like I can imagine going to work for Newcastle under Mike Ashley as a player must be, must be quite, quite, quite soul-destroying. Like these, these are players that want to challenge things. They want to better themselves. And, the lack of ambition uh, for people like Callum Wilson and, and Joe Willock say maximum must have been very difficult. So I think even in the short term, before we get to January, we're going to see some, some big improvements on the pitch. Um, yeah, I, I can't see us going down now. And I think if it got to January and we were in the relegation zone, they would probably throw a lot of money at it. So yeah, I can't see us going down. Uh, but yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen with Steve Bruce. I, I'm imagine I'm pretty sure he will get sacked. But um yeah, it's difficult. Um, I think that if they if they sack him, I don't know who will come in. But the one thing I would say on Bruce, which makes it seem a little bit harsh, is Tottenham would have been his one thousandth game as a manager. And you know, will if he, he leaves get another one, <laughs> exactly. That's what that's my thinking. If he if he leaves Newcastle, will he ever get to that one thousand game? I'm not, I'm not sure. So, um, you know, maybe they'll let him stay around for a couple more games. But I can't maybe to the next it. international think... break, be able to get like a short list going, stuff like that. Maybe they might do, um, but I can't see it. I think I think they'll get rid of him in the next few days. I, I can't see them keeping him. Gotcha. And if they can uh, execute the purchase of a Premier League club in two days, <laughs> you'd imagine they might be able to to move on managers kind of quickly as well. And also, after all of the Tottenham stuff, if you end up getting Antonio Conte, I will be pretty frustrated, but I'll be very delighted as long as it's not Arsenal. So. <laughs> there's there's my take on that and also not to continue to make this about Tottenham but of course you get all of this uplifting news right before we play you in the middle of the season but 
There you go. We'll leave things there for the day. But Jake, congratulations on everything. Obviously, a, a little twinged uh, with with some of the moral issues, but obviously a, a good day with Mike Ashley gone and, and the future of Newcastle looking just that much brighter. Uh, if you'd like to tell folks where they could find you or anything you're working on, now would be a good time. Yes, yeah, so you can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackson with two ends. I'll post anything I do there. Uh, and I'll write for EPL Index. I think I'll get some bids on this takeover on EPL Index over the next couple of days as well. Um, sort of discussing this at, at more length and I guess including more updates as they, as they arrive. Awesome. Well, we'll certainly uh, retweet that and hopefully everybody listening, you'll go over and check that out as well. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time <laughs> at a random time in the middle of the week. But uh, again, good luck with everything and I'm sure we'll speak soon. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.